Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to be over in Daniel chapter 3. I knew eventually we would come to this this narrative as we're looking at worship. There's some things for us to learn from this. We've looked at this story in the past for other reasons, but we're looking at it from the worship aspect of it here today. Very familiar story to all. It's been a couple of years since we have been through it, but always worthwhile going through. In Daniel chapter 3, we're looking at how we can make ourselves a genuine worshiper. We're also going to see some things. Have you ever stood in faith against something and felt like you made a pretty good stand? And as you made that stand, things got worse. And I don't just mean a little bit worse. I mean the bottom fell out. And it got about as bad as it could be. And you thought, but I did everything I was supposed to do. I stood. How come it got this way? Well, we see that here in this this particular story. And, of course, we see some things. And it happened way long ago that happened today. I heard somebody talk about... Um, about some of the ways that some churches go, that some churches are getting political because they're talking about things that are going on in the present day. And I thought about that for a moment. And actually, they would be following in the path of Jesus because Jesus talked about the Word of God and how it applied to what they were going through. Do you remember when Jesus talked about the tower? falling on people. That was a big event for them. Remember him talking about the people that were slaughtered. That was a big event for them. There was a person who was born blind. This was an event for them. This is something that was happening right there in front. They needed to understand. If the Word of God does not help you understand what is happening in our world, it's not really going to help you out a whole lot, is it? So we want to make sure we understand how the Word helps us understand what is happening around us. We've been looking at walking in honor, honoring God, and we honor God with genuine worship. The most important thing about worship is not what instruments we use, it's not what type of music we sing, it's not even whether we stand or sit, raise our hands or not. The most important aspect of worship is that we are genuine. If we become something that others want us to be, we're not genuine. If we don't do what God asks us to do, we're not being genuine either. If I'm concerned about what other people think, I'm not genuine there either. We are in the area of worship. We are here to proclaim the goodness of God. Got to make sure that the things that we say, the things that we do, constantly proclaim to the world the goodness of our God. We don't extol praises to Him for something that others have done. And certainly not things that the kingdom of darkness has done. We are not to proclaim things of evil as things of God. But let's take our look over here at Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar. The king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. You'll see the 6 reappearing there. 
And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. See a lot of repetition in there, don't you? I take it we will have to make sure that, that what Daniel wants us to know is who was there and... Who set this up? This is not something that God set up. This is not something that God did. This is not a thing that God brought about to test His people. This is something that Nebuchadnezzar set up. This is something that Nebuchadnezzar envisioned. This is something that Nebuchadnezzar brought about. Now, if you wonder where this came from, he had a dream that came from God. And this dream was an image of a man and we talked about the head and the hands and the breastplate all the different parts of the man and each one became something different and this was the five kingdoms including his that would come upon the face of the earth five kingdoms were coming two had already been but five were coming one would repeat itself But this image, he saw that. He got Daniel. Daniel interpreted it for him. No one else could uh, give him the dream and the interpretation. That was the one where he would not give them the dream. But he decided to take what he saw in his dream and make a gold image of it. And he was, since he was called the head, he saw himself as this, this image. And so he began to build one. And he... He set it up and we're going to have a dedication service. This is before you dedicate it, before we bring it out to the general public. So the intention here is to bring this out to the general public and to put upon the general public what you're first going to put upon the leaders. But understand here at this meeting, here at this dedication, the common people are not there. The regular people of the kingdom are not there. Not even the regular people of the Chaldeans. What we have here is that long list that he gave you all the leaders, all the different positions. We might call them today senators, representatives, governors, mayors. We may put them in those that um, phraseology. So if it's easier for you to think of this in that phraseology than think of it that way, this is what they called them. This is how they, they saw them. But they got all the leaders from all over. No matter how small of a leader, they went through the entire kingdom. And they all had to make the trek to come out to this. More than likely, you do not have 100% of everyone there. Of all the satraps and all the different people that are in the kingdom, there are probably some people who cannot be there. But this is structured for the leaders. We're pretty sure that Daniel is among those missing. But we got all that we could. Daniel's off somewhere doing something. May not even be aware that it's happening. Maybe he is aware but just can't be there. He would like to be. He could stand with his friends. But they have this and they have the dedication set up. In verse 4, 
Now remember, this is the this is the gathering. It's just for leaders. This is just leaders here. Then a herald, herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Then at that time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music. You shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Who set it up? King Nebuchadnezzar. We're through five verses. How many times have we repeated that? And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. Now a herald went out. It seems that there's only one. And he's not going out through the whole kingdom. He's going out through the gathering of the people. Once all the people were gathered, the herald went out. And he told everybody about what was going on. Now we get spoiled thinking about the Bible, about most people having a common language. How many know that during the time of the Bible, people had a common language? That was because of Alexander. He taught everybody Greek. So when you get to the New Testament, everybody spoke their language, everybody spoke Greek. They were forced into that. Even though that was hundreds of years after Alexander, they still learned it. It was kind of a common language of everybody. But this is before the Greek Empire. This is before the time of Alexander. And this is before Greek, the Greece nation became, the Greek nation became great. Not everybody speaks Greek. They are not speaking to themselves in, in Greek. So he more than likely, the herald went out and proclaimed with one language what was going on. This would be the language of the Chaldeans. Then if you did not know the language of the Chaldeans, you had to learn it. Now, these are leaders. More than likely, they would have had to have learned. That would be part of their training was to learn the language of the Chaldeans because you want to be able to communicate with them. If for any reason they did not learn Chaldean yet, do you think it would hold any kind of excuse? Well, I didn't understand the herald. No. If you didn't understand the herald, you better get with somebody who can make you understand it. It's up to you to do that. Verse 7. So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the what? The horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and language fell down and worshipped the gold image which... King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. We're really trying to drive this thing home, aren't we? Now, who's writing this book? Daniel. Daniel is trying to make sure everybody understands. God did not do this. We leaders did not do this. We did not have a hand in this. This is something Nebuchadnezzar did. Evil men sometimes, and even sometimes good men, men and women, sometimes Though they're evil, in nature they have some good that they, they come out and Nebuchadnezzar certainly vacillated between good and evil. But right now he's on the side of evil. And he took something that God gave him as a divine dream. Used Daniel to give understanding to us even now today about the things that would come. And he took something that was God-given and made it into something evil. Don't be surprised when people today take something that is God-given and make it into something evil. It doesn't mean God was behind it. It does not mean that God had a hand in it. Though he just got done relating the story about the golden image, or the, the image, he wasn't golden and the head was gold. The rest of it was different things. He made the whole image out of gold. Understand, God had no part in it. I think that's why he's emphasizing it so much. Because of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen and that image came from God. 
But God did not do that. God did not have a hand in it. God did not have a desire for it to go that direction. People have and continue to use what God said in an incorrect way to promote what they want or desire. I, I get amazed at some of the things that senators, representatives, people in office, people in government will do with Scripture. They will quote things. I put one up on Facebook yesterday. Doesn't seem like too many people saw it, but that uh, senator, representative, whoever it was who got up and used the verse from Peter about making your calling and election sure and used it in the election process. I mean, how ignorant do you have to be to not understand he's not talking about elections, like people voting. And uh, this person was was very serious about this presentation. People use what God said all the time to promote what they want. Doesn't mean God was behind it. Just because people put some verses of Scripture with something that they want to do doesn't mean that you as a Christian ought to go along with it. You need to recognize that's not something from God. God was not behind this. If Daniel was present in the meeting, he would not have been bowing. But his buddies were present and they didn't bow. That person who got up in the Senate representative floor, whatever it was, and said that about Peter, that is what you call a flesh-level understanding of Scripture. You've taken one Scripture, you understood it the way you wanted to understand it, and then you spatted it out. I heard that it was coming. I, before I watched the video, I heard that they were going to do something like this. When they did it, my jaw just dropped. I, I couldn't believe they were that ignorant. I couldn't believe that they had done it to that degree. But they did, and they were very serious about it. Anybody, anybody see that lady? Oh, well. You probably would fall over like I did. Now, people when they begin to set things up, even though they throw some scriptures out there, Nebuchadnezzar may have been talking about people, well, you know, God gave me this image and I'm building it. I'm going to put it out there. And we know that they uh, decided not to, to bow down to this. People will see those who radically oppose, such as not going to, not going to bow, as overreacting, and ruining their testimony to the world. Have you ever heard that? You're ruining your testimony to the world. How are you going to win them if they hate you? Just go along with it. Stand up for the things that really matter later. You have to win them over first. People will say this. And there's Christians that actually believe this. They'll, they'll go along with this. You know, you just need to... You don't have to be serious. You don't have to be sincere. Just bow down. Pretend, pretend like you're bowing down to God and just worship God. They don't care. They're not asking to see who you're worshiping. They just want you when the music starts playing and you're, there's that image. Bow down. Just do it. Stop raising a fuss. Stop being a radical Christian. Now, some years ago, it's about, uh, eight, eight and a half years ago or so, back in 2013, we went over some things about the spirit of Antichrist. I don't know if I've gone over it since then, but I just wanted to review some stuff for you. So this is just going back over there. I just want you to make sure you understand 
what this spirit is because it's very present with us. And it's not like it's more present now than it was 10 years ago or more present now than it was 40 years ago. This spirit has been present in this world and is constantly at work. Doesn't mean that you go around looking for 666. If you understand that number, you don't go around looking for 666. You don't worry about it. If you got a dollar bill that has the number 666 in the serial number, that's not a big deal. Go ahead and spend it. It spends just as well as the ones that don't have that on it. Don't be concerned. If you go to the store and the total comes to $6.66, don't go looking for a pack of gum. Throw in there. It doesn't make any difference. We were having some fun the other day. We were, we were typing in something. I think I was sending my mom a text and it wasn't coming up in the list. So I just started typing it in. And I may have noticed this before and just forgotten it, but I did, I noticed it uh, more so then because as I'm typing it in, up in the top it shows the numbers. You know mom is 666? That's right. The numeric equivalent on the phone of mom is 666. So all moms must be antichrist. No, they are not. But some people would begin to think that. But it's it's uh, proper to know the, the right understanding of the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist has a method. It has things that it does. And it's done this throughout the Old Testament. We have spent some time in the past, looked at the Old Testament. I'm just going to review this real quick. I left you some blank space if you want to write any of this down. But the goal of this spirit is to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be difficult to preach, promote, and accept. That is the goal of this spirit. The goal of this spirit is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ difficult to preach, to promote, and to accept. It will move on those who sway public opinion against the truth of the gospel through speeches, through media, whether written, audio, or video. And through laws. Spirit of Antichrist is not concerned with people who cannot do this. It focuses on that. There's other spirits, deceiving spirits, that get people to go, go in bad directions. But the Spirit of Antichrist, this is what it's out for. It's looking for people who give public speeches to large numbers of people that will sway nations. That will sway lawmakers. It's looking at people who can have a sway in making laws. And certainly media types for the things that they write, audio and video. These in turn help to create peer pressure to refuse the gospel and see it as as foolishness. Peer pressure can be a good thing. can also be a bad thing. You know, there may be peer pressure at your job if you keep showing up late. That peer pressure can be good. But... Peer pressure can also be evil. An example of this, of course, here we have in the book of Daniel, we have a couple of examples where we see this go on with Nebuchadnezzar. Here in the in this story, we also see that Daniel was thrown in lion's den for much of a similar thing. Pharaoh, though, in Exodus chapter 5, we see that the Israelites... Moses came to them and said, God's going to deliver you. They're all excited. He talks about the plagues. He goes to Pharaoh. He presents. And Pharaoh is uh, not very receptive. And he decides to take it out on the leaders that are there and beat them. 
and it also to no longer provide straw. You see, to Pharaoh, he now he says to the people, you all are lazy. You don't have enough to do. So we're not going to provide straw for you, but you still got to make just as much. Now, he is not concerned about brick production. He's not concerned about brick production. He says he is, but he's not. What he's concerned about is his growing attitude. We've got to stop this. We've got to nip this in the bud. The problem is not production. The problem is the message. You want to deliver? You want God to set you free? Uh-uh. We can't have that. All the laws that he put, all the announcements, all the news things that he said were all designed not to increase straw production, but to influence behavior. We'll see the same thing is true in all the centuries leading up to and including today. Laws are passed to control or to silence critics or those who would promote the truth. I'm just taking what was in there back in 2013. You may say, well, it sounds like today. Of course it does. It sounded like today back in 2013. It sounded like today 20 years before that. It sounded like today 30 years before that. It doesn't matter. It's always going to sound like today. This is what they do. Laws are passed to control or silence critics or those who would promote the truth. Or to change the environment so that peers would do it for them. And that has been in centuries of history. We don't want to just make it so that the laws will influence you. We want your peers. We want your people that are close to you. We want them silencing you. We want them squealing on you if you step out of line. This is what that spirit does. This is the spirit of Antichrist. That's the end, that ends our short review there. If you're interested in that, let me know. I'll see if I can dig out some of the um, uh, places you can go online and find that. We have the. They're still up there on the podcast, but it might be a little tough to go. Uh, through there and find it all on your own. Just let me know. Verse 8, Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Something is going to change here. I want you to see this. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Is that what the king said? It is, isn't it? There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, the real names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We don't know them by their Hebrew names, but I think we should. But they call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Where was that in what the king said? Was there anything in what the king decreed about worshiping Babylonian gods? Wasn't there, was it? Now, I don't know about... Uh, I wasn't there. Of course, when we get to heaven, um, this is one of the videotapes I'm going to be watching. Because I want to go back. I want to see when they built this thing. When Nebuchadnezzar was building the gold image, how did he present it to the people? Did he present it to the people? This is a gold image and you all have to bow down and worship it. 
or he'd present it to the people. Guys, I got an idea. I want to build this this monument. Can you help me? Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll help you build a monument. And then as the monument is, is built and it's finished, now the purpose has changed. Now we have the gold image. It's done. Now we're going to ascribe that you have to bow down to that gold image when you hear the music being played. Wait a minute, where did this come from? This wasn't part of the thing. Of course not. If they said that at the beginning, they wouldn't have gotten it done. But see, once you get it done, now we can begin to change things. We can begin to change the plans. Now we're throwing in this. Now not only do you need to bow down to the golden image, you also need to worship Babylonian gods. And don't think I'm reading into that because when we get into the next verse, you're going to find out that Nebuchadnezzar repeats it exactly. It's one of the things that makes him mad. Have you ever noticed how today that something starts out one way and then as you get in and as you accept that, it gets changed into something else? I mean, recently we had two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Yeah, what happened to two weeks? Well, two weeks became four weeks. Four weeks became eight weeks. Eight weeks became two months. Two months became a year. How'd they do that? Because they just changed a little bit. Now we're now we're trying to work on the thing. One mask means two masks. There's some places I saw in France uh, that if you don't have a mask, you can't shop. Period. Now, see, as we accept these things, you accept the the, the lower part. Well, we accept that this golden image is going to be built, and then you got to accept the next stage. And then there's a stage after that. This is not the first time that it's happened, not even in this country, but certainly in other, other places. We saw Germany. Germany began to, to, to set up things, and they made parts that would separate people. And then we had, of course, the, the golden stars that people had a pin on their lapels. And then pretty soon that wasn't enough, and we had to take all the people with the gold stars, and we had to put them into the, into the same housing area. And so this, they all, all went into there. Everybody know what that was called? That was the ghetto. And they put them in the ghetto. And then one day, the ghetto was burned. And all the people that were in the ghetto were put on trains and taken someplace. And then after they were in those certain places, then we could, well now we need to start having showers that are guest chambers. And see, it just kept evolving from one thing to another. Germany wasn't the only one. Russia has done this as well. China has done this as well. Other countries before that. They, they get you to accept a certain thing. And then once you accept that, then we increase it. And then we increase it. And then we increase it. Way back, I mean, this has been going, President Obama was the first, first one who was successful with this. But he was not the first one who attempted it. But they tried to get the uh, health care changed for many presidents before that. And you remember when they came out? You can keep your doctor if you like your doctor. You can keep your plan if you like your plan. Well, pretty soon it came out that not only did they lie about that, they knew they lied about it. Of course, most people who heard the plan, they said, there's no way this works. 
He won't be able to, but the people didn't want to listen to that. So once that was incorporated, then we go on to the next step. And then we go on to the next step. And then you're on to the next step. I don't know about you, but I got a health plan that we don't even bother trying to try and take advantage of anymore. It's too expensive. If we're going to go and get something, well, I don't know if we want to want to do that. I mean, we got to we got to pay so much money, and I don't know if it's if it's if it's worth that. You know, sometimes you may say to another, "Well, maybe I ought to go to get check this out." Well, I don't know if I want to go check that out. It's going to cost me a four or five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, and they may not even find anything. So you second you you don't bother with it. So this is not new. This has been before, but I want you to see this here. They changed it. It became something else. Now there were certain Chaldeans, so these are certain people that were native to the land. They were, this is their country. They accused the Jews. Now here's the thing. I don't know that they were the only ones standing up. Do you know there's absolutely nothing in the Bible that says they were the only three standing up? But they're the only three that are pinpointed. Because they were the three that were in the way of somebody. They were getting promoted. In fact, remember, oh, he, he got promoted. Hananiah, he got promoted. I didn't get promoted. Mishael, he got promoted. I didn't get promoted. I should have had that. And so they, they saw this as an opportunity. They may have even been wondering, I wonder what these guys are going to do. And probably certain eyes were fixed on them. Let's see what they're going to do. Because we have a crowd out there. Let's see what they're going to do. Apparently, we went through the entire ceremony and no one else noticed. The King Nebuchadnezzar didn't notice that certain people didn't stand or didn't, didn't bow. But they were being watched by somebody. And so they let it all go on. They let it play out. And then they came to the king. And they said, certain Jews... Certain ones. Look at what he says that they did. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. Do you see that attitude in leaders today? You need to pay me a certain amount of respect. You need to have certain regard for me. And if you don't, That attitude was in him. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So there may have been others who didn't, didn't stand. Or di- who, uh, who didn't bow, who stood. There may have been others. But we're just, uh, focused on these guys. These are the ones in the way. They may, they may have seen some other Jews who also weren't going to bow. But they weren't in the way. These are the ones that are being promoted. Well, they say they do not pay regard to you. Is worship due to anyone? It is not. Now see, when God declares a thing to be, when God says this is the way this is going to be, He makes a declaration, like King Nebuchadnezzar made a declaration. When God makes a declaration, there is no additions or changes needed. Because He says what He declares right at the beginning. He says, this is how it will be. He doesn't need to make any alterations down the road, 
change it when he made a decree to Adam and Eve in the garden. He didn't have to change that. He didn't have to adjust it. He didn't have to add anything else to it. This is how it is. Eat from any tree in the garden except the one in the center. He didn't come back to him later on and says, you know what? I want to, I want to revisit that. Um, any tree in the garden except for the one in the center and these two over here. He doesn't have to change things. He doesn't have to alter things. God didn't give the law to Moses and then say, oh, we're going to change this. He kept it the same. Because when you stand for the truth, you can declare the truth at the beginning and you never have to change it. When you stand for what is false, when you stand for a lie, you can only put so much of it out. And then you'll have to add more later on. It's always intended, but it's never divulged. This is the spirit of Antichrist. These are the ones that are behind it. This will sometimes be done by people that you like as well as people that you don't. You see, when Peter rose up and began to speak against Jesus, he didn't look at him and said, Peter, I really like you, so I'm not going to deal with this the way I would normally. Now he looked at Peter and what did he say? Get behind me, Satan. Don't be swayed because, well, I like this person. There are some people you may like and there may be some people you don't like. Does it mean you believe something bad about them or believe something good or believe that something bad is something good? It means you take the truth. When God presents the truth, He presents the whole truth. Here it is. And He doesn't add to it. When the enemy presents darkness, it is always veiled. Here's a little bit of it. Alright, you got used to that? Here's a little bit more. Ah, you got used to that? Here's a little bit more. And then we, we keep changing it. This is what they do. I don't know if you know about this or not. It has been scrubbed from the internet. But do you know the Dr. Fauci? That so many people claim. Dr. Fauci actually wrote a paper that masks are useless in a pandemic. He wrote a paper about it. And it's been scrubbed. If you got a copy before it was scrubbed, then, then you would have it. But he actually wrote that, that paper. Dr. Fauci has changed his mind on so many different things. But I don't know. I'm sure many of you had the same opinion. When I first saw him show up, I just, down in my spirit, I said, uh-uh. I, I, don't, I don't trust this guy. I don't like this guy. I don't think this guy is, I don't think this guy is good. That's what they do. See, they gotta go back and they gotta scrub these things out. Well, I know I said this, so we gotta make sure we eliminate what I said before, because I can't say that now, because this is the direction that we want to go. Then, uh, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? You see that? Now he is requiring that they worship the gods. Before it was just bow down to the image. And you see you could get by on that. Just bow down to the image. Don't, don't worship it. Just on the outside. Just bow down. 
Just go along. Come on, we're trying to have a good influence in on this kingdom. And if you guys make waves, you know, they're not going to let us Jewish people have a, a hand in anything and we won't be able to influence. Just, just go along with this. So he says to him, Is this true? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Hmm. Sounds like a challenge. I can just hear God up there. Challenge accepted. So he's given them an opportunity. Isn't that amazing? Why are they being given an opportunity? Why not just throw them right into the fiery furnace? Because it is better to make a spectacle of them. See, they tried to stand up against us. Uh-uh. You all better learn from this. You cannot stand up against Nebuchadnezzar. You all need to bow down. You all need to go along. You all need to do what we're telling you to do. This is what needs to happen. He wants everyone to see. He wants you to see that they bowed. So a second chance is given. Can you imagine going into court sometime? You were caught with drugs, selling them out there on the street. You get brought before the court. And they say, look, did you really intend to sell those drugs? Well, no, I didn't intend to sell them. Oh, all right. As long as you're telling me you didn't intend to sell Can you imagine them letting them off? But they let them off. Oh, well, as long as you didn't intend to sell them. Well, uh, we'll just let this go. So what he's saying to them is this. I understand that you didn't bow down. If you want to tell me right now that you did intend to go that way, it was just a mistake. Bow down right now and everything is forgiven. Come on. Keep that in mind. That's the question. So they're given a second chance. You know, it seems easier to get a second chance from the world to conform than to stand. The world loves for you to conform. They'll give you a second chance. They might even give you a third chance to conform. Can't you just hear the people that are around them? Just bow. You don't have to do a worship. You can't be a witness to them if you're dead. So often, folks, we can be tempted to just wear this, just take this, just accept this, don't speak that, or speak against this. So often these things will come to us. But once you go along, they're going to come back and they're going to do some other things too. It's amazing. But people continue to give in and we'll go along with it. No one envisioned way back when they started this that they would close down churches, force some churches to close. Now, some not all churches listen to them, but some churches I knew some that uh, that were down in Philly closed for a year because of some of the things they did in, in Philadelphia that were a little different from the rest of the rest of the state. But remember, we do have a constitution that says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. 
or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. If that says Congress shall make no law, then you cannot break a law by doing any of the things that they set up to go against that. But you got to make a stand somewhere. I don't know. How many, how many remember Pavlov? Anybody remember the guy Pavlov? Pavlov's dog. Make you ring a bell. You know, he's a Russian. And he did some experiments with the dog. He found out that... Uh, you know, when you came in and the dogs saw the people with the white coats coming in, that they began to get hungry. They began to get excited because you're going to feed them. So he just decided, let's see if we can train this. And so, you know, they, they got to the part where they were ringing the bell. And they would ring the bell. The dogs heard the bell. They get all excited. Do you know there's a hidden part about this that's not as well known about the experiments that Pavlov did? Something else that he also found out in his experiments. You tell me if you knew this. the conditioning that would go on with the animals was sped up and more easily received if the animals were in isolation. If you have all the animals together, you can still do it. It just takes a little bit longer. If you have the animals isolated and separated, it goes a lot faster. Isn't that interesting? You can look it up yourself. I looked it up. Now, don't think that evil doesn't win when I give in to an insincere acceptance or bowing to a thing. Don't think evil doesn't win. Don't think Nebuchadnezzar would have had evil win if they just would have bowed down and they would have stayed alive and it could continue to do the things that God wanted them to do. You see, it gets me used to worship that is not sincere and half-hearted. See, that's a win. Even if no one exposes that your worship is fake, what darkness has done is it's got you to worship something half-heartedly, with insincerity. And once you start learning how to worship insincerely, it can begin to permeate your whole being. And that's a goal the enemy would love to have. All right, even if we, we don't need to check them, we just need to, we just need to get them to go along with it. You know, we don't need to check your mask to make sure that it's, it's a type that we want just so you're wearing one. Right? Does anybody ever check your mask? Does anybody ever say, well, is that really an approved one? Do they care? Isn't that interesting? They don't care about this worship whether they are sincere. They care that they go through it because there's a purpose in them going through it. Even here, Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't care if they're sincere. Just go through the motions. I want to see the motions. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now sometimes we get get confused on this. Let's, well, let's finish reading this. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve our gods, your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We're letting you know we're not doing either one. We're not going that direction. They are not saying 
if our God delivers us. What they're saying is, because the, the, the part that is put to them is, I'm going to start the music. If I start the music and y'all bow, everything's good. And he says, look, you can do that if you want to. You cannot do it. We don't care. Whether you start the music or not, we are not going to bow to your image. It was not conditional of them thinking that God couldn't deliver them. The condition was whether he would start the music or not. You can start the music if you want to. Makes no difference to us. We're not going to do it. Of course, we know that he never did start the music because I already said, I'm not going to do it. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods. Not that we will not. We do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They didn't just say bow. They said worship. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Sounds like a Tim the Toolman move. And you know, whenever he did it, it never worked out well. Because that furnace is not made to handle a furnace seven times hotter. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These weren't just common soldiers. These were people that had done great things that he depended upon. And these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other outer garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those Men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, we don't know exactly how that plays out, but you get the idea that these guys carried them on over there. They were getting ready to throw them in and died from the heat. And so they may not have been able to cast these guys in, but in the end, they, they went in. So maybe it was whatever apparatus they were standing on to cast them in was destroyed because of the heat. We don't know, but it says that they actually just fell into the fiery furnace. They fell down bound. They were still bound up. I don't know if the goal when they put people into the fiery furnace was to untie their knots or not. I don't see why they would. But he does make note that they fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace with their ropes still tied around their hands and their feet. Now see, many people get confused as to what kind of things I need to do to gain people's favor. Because right now, they need the favor of Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill them. I need favor. And so sometimes we look at, well, I need favor from certain ones, so if I just go along with them, if I just appease them, I'll get favor. Uh-uh. That's not how you do things. In Luke, when it talks about Jesus growing in favor with God and man, God is mentioned first. Make sure you grow in favor with God first. Man second. Don't flip-flop it. Don't start doing the things to grow in favor with man and just expect that God will follow along. Do the things that God wants you to do regardless of what man says. 
Now know that whenever you stand for one or more principles, you may be called out to see how dedicated to that stand you are. If you say, I'm going to make a stand, I am not going to do such and such. You may get called out on that stand to see how firm on it you are. What are you willing to give up to keep that stand? In this case, they were called on to give up their life. Well, you may have been in a situation where you made a stand and things got worse. I don't know if it got as bad as these guys. I mean, they made a stand, they made a strong stand, and it got worse. Not only are they being thrown into the fiery furnace, they're being thrown into a fiery furnace seven times hotter. Of course, what's the difference? <clears throat> fiery furnace is going to burn you up. If it's seven times hotter, do you die seven times faster? More than likely, that is not the case. But the king is filled with fury. He is mad. This guy is a very emotional guy. He is led by his emotions often. And we'll see that throughout the book of Daniel. When he's feeling good about something, things go well. When he's feeling bad about something, it doesn't go well. He feels bad about his wise men. He's going to wipe them all out. He's going to kill them all. He feels bad about what's going on. He feels angry. He's going to wipe these folks out and kill them. When Nebuchadnezzar gets upset, people die. Herod was about the same way. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Do we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. Look, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And we got the fourth man who shows up. I mean, that's pretty cool. If you knew that making a stand was going to go poorly, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, but that Jesus was going to show up. In the fiery furnace with you. Oh, that'd make that stand a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? I don't know that they knew that though. They made the stand anyway. You gotta be willing to make the stand no matter what. They were. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the <clears throat> burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Boy, what a way to word that, huh? The fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Their garments didn't burn. Their hair wasn't singed. I mean, how many of you got your hair singed in fire not even being in it? And they were in it. And it didn't even singe their hair. But the ropes that tied them up, they burned up. They're gone. They either burned up or they just were taken off. They were loosed. They were out there walking around in the fire. 
I don't know if I'm if I was you, or if you were them, and you're in the fiery furnace, and you could get out, would you? Of course, they're in there with Jesus. That may change things. But the king calls them to come on out. I don't know what's going on inside the fiery furnace. But uh, maybe Jesus said, it's all right, guys. Go ahead and go. I'll catch up with you later. And the three of them come on out. Now, if you've ever been in a fire before, I've not been necessarily in a in a raging fire, but I have uh, been in a burning house before trying to help some people uh, get out of it. So I've been in the, the fire that way. Uh, they're noisy. They're, they're not quiet. They, um, they could hinder you from hearing. But apparently, they heard just fine. Come on out. So they come on out. Probably heard Jesus just fine too. They saw that the fire had no power. The hair of the head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Can you imagine that? The smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, delivered his servants, who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now it's good that he did not make a decree and require everyone to worship God the way he required everyone to worship his gold image. You can't be doing that sort of thing. So he didn't go that far. He just said, if you speak against this this God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you shall be cut in pieces. Houses made an ash heap. Because he said, there is no God who can deliver like this. They have never seen in all their time any God who would deliver like this. There they are walking around in the fire. Just walking around. They weren't afraid of the fire. They weren't afraid of the situation. They were not going to bow. They were going to make a stand. Now, just because God delivered these guys from the fire doesn't mean He has delivered everyone from the fire. There have been people in history who were burned. And they're not, were not burned in a fiery furnace. They were burned at the stake. They were burned in altars. These things did go on. But they said, Our God is well able Deliver us from your fiery furnace. We know our God did not have a hand in this. We know our God did not set this up. But we are not complying. And we are not going around with what you have. See, the one thing that they had was sincerity. They were sincere about how they worshiped God. They sincerely put everything into who their God was, how they lived. They didn't just have a sincere worship service. They sincerely served Him all their days. They sincerely sang His praises, called upon Him in prayer, made sure that all throughout the day, I'm not bowing to that. I'm not doing this. I'm not going along to get along. 
I am standing for the things that my God has told me to stand for. They serve God first. Some Christians are moving over into the area. They're moving over into another model where we serve man first. And when we win them over, then we'll turn them on to God. Don't do it that way. Stay on the side of God. Be sincere. When we get together and we worship, push everything out. Give it your whole being. I guarantee you that when we get to heaven, we talk to these guys. We call over Hananiah and we say, Hananiah, what were you thinking about when you were standing behind, uh, in front of the Nebuchadnezzar? I'm sure he wasn't thinking about the list of things he had to do at the house. The things he had to get at the store. The people that he had to contact and call because of the job that he had. What he was involved in right there had his whole entire focus. You've got to have those times when you block out everything else and I am just focused on my God. And I worship my God. The enemy is going to try and distract you. He wants you into half-hearted worship. Because if you will worship him half-heartedly, it will not transform you on the inside. And if you're not transformed on the inside, when you face a burning, fiery furnace, you will give in. And you will say, well, it's not worth me fighting on this one. I can't witness for God if I'm dead. I'll just go along on this. I just, I just go ahead and do it. When these guys are before King Nebuchadnezzar, they're not cussing him out. They're not putting him down, tearing him apart. What king has the right to do this? They're saying, you're going to do it. We're not following. So do what you're going to do. We're, we'll go ahead and do that. Now, he, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a dictator. He can make a law. Just make it up, sign it, and it's a law. We can't do that in this country. In this country, in order for something to be a law, it has to come to the floor of the House or the Senate. And then that House has to vote on it. and has to go over to the other body. And then they have to vote on it. If they make the second body makes any changes, it goes back to the first body. And then they have to vote on the bill with the new changes. Until they have both voted on the same bill. It may go back and forth three, four, five times. Until they have both voted on the same bill. And they both have said, this is what we want. And then it's still not a law. Then it has to go up to the White House. And whoever's sitting in the chair has to sign it. That's how a law is made. A law in this country is not made by one person deciding what they want to do. That's not a law. There's no, that's not a law. In this country, that is not a law. You do not violate any law that people want to make to hinder you from worshiping God or doing what God says to do just because somebody said it. That's not how it's done. Tell them, show me the law. I know how a law is made. Show it to me. Where's the law? Now, once it is a law, you can then go to this stage. And if it's a law that you're going to break, then, you know, be ready to take on the consequences. These guys are ready to take on the consequences. Yep, I broke that law. I'm not doing that law. I broke it. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) That's what they did. But it has to be a law. And in this country, it's a little bit, a little bit tougher to do. You see, they created a constitution because they wanted us to not be able to have a government that was able to do things to us easily because they came from that. They came from King George who was able to just pass laws 
and do things, and they had no say in it. That's why all that stuff was was put in there. Don't lose sight of it. Once you lose it, it doesn't come back. But worship has to be genuine. It's got to involve your entire self. You've got to put your whole self into it. If you're going to be worshiping God, you're going to be a worshiper of God. If it is going to transform your life, you have got to be wholly given to it. So much so that when you come together in a corporate worship setting, blocking out everything else is no big deal. In fact, sometimes at home, you just block out everything else and just worship God. Because it's a, it's a common practice. It's something that you can do. Now understand this. Some people can worship God. Now get this. Some people can worship God with hymns. Can you believe that? Yep. Some people can stand in their pew, in their seat, and stand up and sing one of those old hymns and worship God with their entire being. They can do it. Other people, they get up there and they hear that old hymn. Oh, man, this is so old. Oh, who wrote this? Doesn't even have a beat to it. They don't like this. And your, your whole self is not involved. But just because you can't or don't worship God with that kind of music doesn't mean that someone else can't. Other people, they like modern courses. They, other people, they want scripture courses. If it's not right from scripture, I don't want it. They only want scripture courses. Well, it doesn't mean that everyone has to follow along with the way that you worship. There are some people who can worship God with rap. I am not one of those people. I don't like rap. I don't particularly enjoy it. Listen, even hearing it. I sometimes want to get away from it when I hear it. Oh, that's not, oh, I don't like it. But you know what I can enjoy? Watching somebody sincerely worship God with their entire being using rap, hymns, reggae, whatever type of music they have. If those words are honoring to God and they put their entire self in, I can just sit there and watch them. That's not, that's not going to pull me into worship. I, that's not going to pull me into the worship. But I can watch them worship. And I'm not going to judge them and say, you can't worship God with that. You need to worship with scripture songs. You need to worship with these songs. It's not right. There are some, some churches that if you're not excited, if you're not hopping around, if you're not moving, you're not worshiping God. And there's other churches you walk into, and if you so much as move outside of your little little spot there, you're a rebel. You see, worship needs to be genuine. It needs to be who you are. For some people, music moves them. I mean literally moves them. My daughter and son-in-law, listen, Nikolai, they have, they call bacon bits. Every single bacon bit from the time they were born when the music would play, they would dance. Every single one. They weren't taught to dance. But as soon as the music would play, 
they would dance. Now, each one, as they were growing up, they each had their own song. They had a song that all you had to do was start playing it. And right into dance. I mean, just moving and shaking and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I didn't always like the songs that moved in the dance. But I loved watching them and just seeing them go. And Oh, they could just go to town. Now, that, that's them. I have never been moved by music. Ever. In my life. In fact, my mom will be sitting here. She'll tell you. I grew up. I went through elementary school. I went through junior high. I went through high school. I didn't have a radio in my room to play music. I didn't buy albums. I didn't listen to stuff. My sister did. But I didn't. I didn't listen to music. I despised dancing. They never had to make a rule with me, thou shalt not dance. Because I hated it. I didn't like watching it. I didn't go to any of the dances. I didn't go to any of the, the things school would have, have on. I didn't care if a girl came and asked me to go to the, I wouldn't go, no, I don't want to go to that. They never had to be concerned. And my sister was not that way. She was very much moved by the music and taken by the music and had to be concerned about what kind of music she was listening to. Until one day, I went to the creation festival with a bunch of youth group and I heard some Christian music. Now most of it I was, I didn't like. But there was one guy. I've told you about him before. One guy. And I listened to his music and I was so moved by his music. I went and I bought his, his albums and I brought them on home with me. At the time he had two. And I played them. I still remember the day I was playing the one on the big, and I mean you all had one of these things. We had the, the big console for the, for the music. I mean, I'm not, this is, it's not this big, it's bigger. It was big. And it had a turntable in it, and it had a tape recorder in it, and you could, I could put my tape in there, and I could go play. And I'm just sitting there listening. Keith Green, no compromise. My dad came in the room and says, we don't play that kind of music in this house. Now, they're not used to me playing music. I don't play music. I don't listen to music. I don't do anything with music, but here all of a sudden I came back from this, and I'm playing this music. And... Um, that is Christian. Doesn't sound very Christian to me. Those are his words to me. Doesn't sound very Christian to me. Well, eventually, you know, they, he did listen to the words. I told him to listen to the words. And see, they listened to the words and, and dad, mom, they, they got excited about it. They actually got part of Keith Green Ministry and, and, uh, uh, really, really accepted the thing. To this day, I was just down the shore, running on the boardwalk. One of my favorite things to do is run on the boardwalk, strap on my headphones and put on Keith Green. How old is that music now? Forty some years old? Still go down the shore, put on Keith Green. Because Keith Green in the shore just works. And I go running on the boardwalk listening to the tunes of Keith Green. See, music didn't move me. It still does it. I can hear a music with a beat and I'll stand there perfectly still. My wife picks on me all the time for it. You know, it moves her. Music moves her. She, she starts to move. If she, if she wants to, she doesn't have to. She, you know, she wants to, she can, it can, it can do that. Not to me. To me, I listen to music. Uh huh, yeah, I hear that beat. Mm-hmm. That's just me. That's, that's not something I put on, that's just, that's just who I am. It has never been a place to move me. Now, I'm wired differently. I understand that. I've understood from a long time ago that I'm wired differently than most people are. I'm okay with that. 
I am, I am wired. Diff- I don't get wired to the music the way a lot of people did. I didn't get wired to some of the things that the kids in high school were wired to. I was wired differently. And I don't try and, and change the wiring because people have always said to me, as long as I can remember, you see Scripture different. Because I'm wired different. It's just, I'm, I'm just wired different. I look at something, I ask questions that other people don't ask. I see, I gotta ask, I gotta find out. What is this? Why did this happen this way? I'm wired different. I like being wired that way. Not everybody likes it. It's alright. I'm wired that way. But you're wired differently. Whatever you do in worship, it has to be genuine. It has to come from the inside of you. Don't try and suppress who you are in worship. If you want to get out there and the music starts going, oh boy, I just want to get out there and just dance, then do it. But I don't know what other people will think about. Don't care about what other people are thinking. If you are going to allow what other people are thinking influence the way you are worshiping, then you are not worshiping genuinely. You are putting on airs. Going in a different direction. Don't be putting on airs. If you want to get out there and dance around it, get out there and dance around to the beat. It's all right. But you see, there's certain things that are in the Word of God tells us to do. One of the things He tells us to do is raise your hands. One of the things He says is shout to the Lord. We got to make sure that we do the things that He says to do. Don't use an excuse. Well, this is just uncomfortable. I'm just not comfortable doing this. Don't use that excuse to not grow into something. There may be something out there that you're supposed to grow into. Some things you just need to get comfortable with. You're not comfortable with it right off the bat, but you can get comfortable with it. There's got to be room for growth. What you are genuine with can change. And it can take you into an even more meaningful and worshipful experience. It'll get to be involving you more. There are some things you're not comfortable with yet, but it's in you. It's on the inside of you. And until you let that out, until you walk in that way, until you get that part of you involved in that aspect of worship, then the worship you're doing will never hit the level it's supposed to hit. Because I'm always suppressing something. I'm I'm not going after, I'm not pursuing that. Either I don't think I should, I don't like it, that's not me. Whatever excuse I try and hide behind, I try to hold behind. No, God is saying, that's in you. Now let it out. If you're going to be genuine with worship with me, that's in you. You need to let it out. Bring it out. Come on. And stop becoming acceptable to the people that are around you. David, when he danced before the people, he did what was unacceptable to many that were there. He did not care. It was in him. And he expressed it. Don't become something that you're not. And don't fail to become what you're supposed to be. I cannot just be like others and be genuine. I cannot just be like others and be genuine. One thing about it, you've been made unique. We told you this big difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Kingdom of light has diversity. God made everyone unique. God made everyone with different traits, different strengths. The kingdom of darkness wants everyone the same. 
Everyone needs to think the same. Everyone needs to speak the same. Everyone needs to do the same thing. That's the kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of darkness wants sameness. God wants diversity. You are going to be different from the people you're sitting next to. And that's all right. You be different. You be who you are. And just because that person is different doesn't mean, does not mean, well, I need to become like that person. Oh, I don't know if I can be like that person. Does not mean you need to become like that person. It needs to be, you need to be who you are. Who God made you. And I'll bet you right now, not everyone here even knows who that is. You don't know what you are capable of in worship. Because you have bottled yourself up. Because you don't think it will be socially acceptable. Because you think some people might talk about it. Because you think, well, I don't know if, if I'm ready for that. I don't know if... Uh, Whatever, whatever questions you have, you're, you're keeping it all inside. Therefore, you're not being genuine. The most important ingredient in worship is be genuine. Be who you are. Be who God made you. Once you walk into that, don't feel like, well, I got free doing this. Therefore, everyone else will get free doing this too. Uh, no. That's sameness. That's kingdom of darkness stuff. Everyone must do the same thing. No, they don't. You are going to be unique. You're going to have some unique aspects to you and your worship and the things that you do. And that's all right. Don't try and bring someone else into your sameness. Let them be in their diversity. Now others can challenge me to pursue new depths of understanding and worship. But it won't come through mere invitation. I won't get there merely by imitating what they do. We've got to let it come from the inside. And see, the more that you get involved in worship, when you're involved in it, when you get this corporate time and you're all together, and you are just focused in on you and God, and you're pushing all those other things out, there's going to be some things that are going to come up inside of you, and you're going to feel like shouting, or you're going to feel like dancing, or you're going to feel like whatever it might be. That's going to come up on the inside of you. And when it does, you need to pursue it. Oh, but I've never done that before. What if everyone's watching me? See, you're letting the outside pressure come in and change you. Don't do it. You've got to be genuine. What's on the inside of you needs to come out. You've got to see who that is. And when God looks down and he sees there's that person, they've been suppressing who they are all this time. Now it's coming out. And you're taking what is on the inside of you and you're using it in your expression of worship to God and you're putting it all out there. And for that, God is most pleased. And that will have a transforming effect on you. It will transform you. It will make you become the Christian that you've always wanted to be. You will start making stands you will start walking in revelation, understanding things that you hadn't understood before because you are allowing the genuine article on the inside of you come out. Don't suppress it. Don't put it down. And you know what? When you are expressing what's on the inside of you, you may express something, you come back from there and say, well, God, I don't know if that was necessarily me. I don't know if that's exactly 
what I thought it might be. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Try it again. Don't try it again. Whatever. But that's what you have to pursue. Don't be looking around over here. I'm going to become like them in worship. Be looking to the Word and grow from the Word. What does the Word of God tell you, tell you to do in worship? And then look to the inside and let that genuine worship come out. You're going to be singing songs and the songs are going to have meaning for you. You're going to at times just break out and shout. Hallelujah. Whatever it might be. It's just going to come out because it's, it's in you. And you genuinely let it out. There are some people who just imitate what other people are doing. And the reason it hasn't had that effect in their life because all they're doing is imitating what's around them. Maybe that'll help you get started, but it won't transform you. What will transform you is when you let what is on the inside come to the outside. When Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't make a declaration that said, I hope this is who we are. This is who I would like to be. They said to the king, this is who we are. We know who we are. We are genuine worshipers of God. We will not, not even for a second, not even for a moment, not even for looks, worship what you have set up. We will not do it. I don't care how much music you play. I don't care how hot that make that furnace. You're not moving us. We're not going. Because it was genuinely on the inside. Whenever the enemy is able to get darkness turned up to where they begin to require of you things that you wear, things that you do, things that you take, things that you say, things that you don't say, and they begin to require this of you, it's going to squeeze out of you what is really genuinely in you. This is your opportunity to make sure that what is genuinely on the inside is what you want to come out when you're squeezed. A whole lot of Christians are deceived in this. They think just like the apostles did when Jesus said to them, every one of you will run. Oh, no, I won't run. Uh Uh-uh. No, I'll stand right there by you. Jesus didn't argue the point. He knew. Because he knew what was on the inside of him. But you see, they changed after the resurrection because they allowed what was genuinely on the inside to come out. Up till then, how many times we see the disciples pretending to be something that they thought Jesus wanted? Because they were not genuine. But after they came into the fire themselves and they were faced with their own fiery furnaces, what was genuine on the inside came out. They became different people. They were doing things that they wouldn't have done before. That same thing can happen to you. But it starts with being genuine. It starts with being willing to take a chance and go after something and let a part of you come out. Not being concerned with how people experience it, how people like it, 
what people say. God, this is who I am. This is who you made me. You made me unique. I'm different from other people. And you let that difference come out. You will find out who you are and who God made you. Because if you never find out who you are and who God made you to be, you will never come to understand his purpose for you here on this earth. Will you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for the way that you have uniquely made us. I thank you for the things you have put in us. Many times we're finding ourselves suppressing them, putting them down, embarrassed about those things. But we shouldn't be. This is who you made us. I thank you for the way that you made us different from the people that are around us. You didn't make them like us. You made us like us. And as we go through this life, this Christian walk, more of what is genuinely in us must be allowed to come out so that it completely changes us. So often we are letting, without even realizing it, the things people think, things people expect to alter and change who we are and what we do. We don't have to be that way. Thank you for the walk that you lead us on. That everything in us that is genuine will come out. We won't put on airs. We don't pretend to be what we think other people want us to be. But we will become what you made us. And we will worship you without reservation, without hindrance, involving our entire being, our whole self, And that love for you that's on the inside of us will grow. You will transform our lives. I thank you for how you do that. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Boy, as you go through this week, even this song that Nikolai's playing in the background there. God is good. Just go around saying, you are good. Oh, you are good. And let those words and the songs that you sing get down on the inside of you. Let the sincerity that you desire come out in your life. Too many people have been allowed to influence us, hold us back, keep us from doing the things that God told us to do the things that are in us. I mentioned our, our grandchildren and how much fun we get just watching when the music comes on and they just begin to dance. But eventually some have outgrown that. 
Not because what's in them has changed, but they've conformed to what people expect. And they've changed how they express what they know is on the inside. Let God change how you express. Don't let others change it. Y'all have a real good rest of the day. Bless some people. As the praise reports keep coming in in weeks to come, I hope you let us know how is genuine praise and worship changing your life? What kind of changes did it make? What kind of things did you learn about yourself? Don't think those things are not worthy of a praise report. They surely are. I'd love to hear those things. Bless some people around you before you go. Have a good rest of the day.